says, we've been called to, to love who? Well, actually people. We've been called to love people and to lead them okay, to Jesus. So say that with me. We've been called to love people and to lead them to Jesus. That's really a vision. Now we add to it personal, passionate, you know, this productive. We use, I, I got the P thing down, you know. The point of that is we want to clarify that it's more than just leading them to Jesus. It's leading them to a relationship with Jesus, a meaningful one. And that's, a, that's the powerful process that changes us from who we are to who we will be and to who we are becoming on a regular basis. As we interact with Jesus, as we spend time learning from him, listening to him, Studying his word, being quiet, being involved in the lives of others and analyzing and understanding those experiences, we become more like him. It's that natural process that he calls, if you abide in me and I in you, then you'll find yourself bearing this fruit. You'll find my love throwing through your life. See, that's what happens naturally. It's what happens as we continue to abide. And today what I want to talk about is this second aspect of how we are involved in the process of loving God and leading people in that relationship to him. Loving God and loving others. So Jesus reminded us that the only important thing in life. There's only two important things in life. He said, he said this is the most important things. They, everything else is weighed down by it. And that's simply this. You are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then you are to love your brother, your neighbor, your friend, all those around you as yourself. And those two statements simplify what life is all about, that relational aspect that we're called to be involved in. And all the rest of the scriptures continue to to help us understand what that means. So we have that John 15, 5, that whole section of John 15 about the necessity of abiding in Christ and that as a new creature, a new creation, we have been placed in Christ and that he is like a vine or a tree. That as we stay in that place and we live out his truth in our life, we experience freedom and hope and peace and joy. All those things that are making life meaningful. And that when we pull ourselves out of that position, then we experience the opposite of those areas. And we don't experience love, joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and self-control, and hope, and, and all these other things that are also fruits of the Spirit, or fruit that comes through our life as a result of us abiding in this vine, this person that we call Jesus. Now, if you don't get anything else... Today, get that. It's why we say this is our vision. This is our purpose. It's, it's why we live for. 
that we're called to love people and to lead them into a relationship with Jesus that changes their life. It changed my life. It changed most of you. How many of your lives were changed as a result of your relationship with Jesus? You see, and some of you are going, yeah, and it's still changing, and it should be. And it's an interesting process that goes on, but we, we, we struggle with the kind of the how-to, the specifics in relationship to it. So last week we talked about the aspect of love, of those first pictures of love. We use the VIP thing because I like very important person and I'm into acronyms because I remember them better than other areas. And so we said, you know, that love is to be validating. Love validates on a regular basis. God validates us and we're called to validate others. And that, that love integrates. It brings stability. It's, it's, there's a source that is providing us with everything we need. And, that's, and, then, and then love penetrates. It doesn't just stop. It goes deeper. Love always keeps going deeper. See, the difficulty about love is that love calls us to commitments that are just hard. See, I have a love for, for all of you here, and some of you more deeper than others. But when I get involved in your lives and it goes really deep, it costs me greatly. It costs me emotionally. It costs me physically. I lose sleep. I struggle in praying for you and being concerned about you. It costs me time because I meet with you. And I groan with you, and I sigh with you, and I hurt with you. And see, love is costly. So when we say that love is about a VIP love, it means that each person that God puts you in contact with, that's part of your oikos, if you want to use that term, that, that household of people that God places around you, those people God has placed in your life because you can be a source of hope to them. You can be a source of love to them. And it becomes very difficult because the people that I don't love, you're easy. Okay? I'm sorry, but it's, it's like, hi. It, there, there was a, a old it was a commercial on TV. It popped in my head again, I remember. And the commercial was this guy, and he's doing the band thing, and they're having a great time. Everybody's yelling and screaming, what a wonderful concert we had. And he says, I love you, L.A. And it goes silent because he's in Alabama. See, love is easy when it's just kind of, hey, I love you, love you. That's easy love. But hard love is day by day, you know, hour by hour, minute by minute, month by month, year by year. It's, it's the love that says, if you, if you get cancer, if you have drug issues, if you're struggling with these areas in your life, I will not leave you. You see, that's the love that's willing to die for us. And God's love is for all of us. I think, oh boy, the Lord must just, whew, talk about losing sleep. He never sleeps. You know? <laughs> he loves us so much, his intensity. And we get to experience a little teeny bit of it because all we can handle. And, and that's the cry of love. So, so I'm not talking about just an emotional, oh, isn't this wonderful being with you and I'm going to love you today. I'm going to fall in love with you today. I'm going to fall out of love with you tomorrow. No, love is about this incredibly focused VIP aspect. 
Um, now, the second aspect that I want to talk today about is, you see, if love was simply good advice and great actions and information passed on to us impersonally, then we could just give a bunch of money or go to soup kitchens or get involved in causes and we could say, I'm a very loving person. You know, 1 Corinthians 13 speaks as if I give up everything that I have. I have faith to move mountains and I don't have love. I go, whoa, 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 what are you talking about? Why are you going to give up everything you have if you don't have love? Because he says, well, that isn't love. Love is interesting. It's not a device. It's a source that God provides, that God is. God is love. And as you abide in him and he abides in you, then you find yourself beginning to have a heart that beats with the heartbeat of God. And you begin to experience love for others. It's not a set of principles as much as I'd like to give you three steps, four ways, 26 suggestions. We could go on and on. It's it's a relational thing. God's kingdom love is, is relational. And we become loving as we abide in his love and then we act it out. We don't act it out and then it's not like AA, okay? Fake it till you make it. That works there, but it doesn't work with love. This is the next dimension that God calls us to that's incredibly difficult and wonderfully beneficial. It's what makes life work. When we spend time with God and we learn what he hates and what he loves, we begin to cultivate the same passion. And we find ourselves with this distaste for greed and deception and pride and violence and scheming. And instead, we find ourselves desiring to be transparent, to be truthful. To hold on to people that are struggling, to, to, to give whenever we have opportunities to give and to care and to speak and to hold and to listen and to pray. And that's because as we abide in him, we become more like him. We begin to allow our heart to beat to the same heartbeat that God has. And that's what Jesus is trying to talk about. It's not a new set of of absorbing these principles and implementing them into our life. And that's what makes it so hard. It's hard even to speak on because it's such such an in-depth concept. And it comes off trite so easily. Turn to the person next to you and tell them you love them. Don't do that. Don't do that. I mean, see, that's, that's this trite thing. Now, you may even love that person. That's great. Somebody else going, I don't, I don't even know them. So I could say, turn to the person next to you and say, I'm going to try to love you. And that just doesn't work real great either, does it? That's the struggle with this picture. And I go, oh, Lord, how do we, how do we make this happen? Jesus says, abide in me and then it will happen. So today I want to talk about the leadership of love. That's how do I how do I actually do this? Okay, if I I can see the pictures of how it's supposed to happen, I need to be a VIP lover. Okay, great. But how do I make that happen 
Why? Well, that's my motivation. My motivation isn't to get this or to get that. It isn't quid pro quo. It isn't so people will look at me and say, wow, he is such a loving guy. Or he is such a man of God. Or he is whatever thing we want to fill in there that we'd like to be known as. That's not why we do it. We do it because it's who we are. It's who we're becoming. It's what's happening to us. John says, dear children, let us love not with words or with speech, but with actions and, and, and the living out of truth. And what he means by that is that he wants us to have such an incredible love that has developed in our life as a result of spending time with God that we truthfully love one another. It's what we do. It's who we are. That's the cry of the new creature in Christ, the new relationship that we have. And it's an incredibly high bar. It's why Jesus said, it's not enough for you to follow all the rules and the law. That's not good enough. It's not enough to say you didn't kill your neighbor. You can't even be angry at them. How good are you guys doing at not being angry at your neighbor? Last time you drove past your neighbor and they gave you a wave that looked less than nice. And you were like, what I do now? They said, well, that's what I do. And my son goes, Dad, you just cut him off. I did? Yeah. Oh, man, it wasn't that bad. He goes, he thought it was. <laughs> Not being angry at your neighbor that, that cuts you off, whatever. It's, so he's saying there's an action involved here where you don't say something, you do something, but you have to do it out of love. You are truthfully... Loving the other person. You're faithful to love's intention. You don't have wrong motivations. It's just a natural outflow of God's love within us. You see, these two primary elements are grounded in truth. These elements of love, they're always grounded in truth. I love that. Kind of a fun story here. David Hagler was talking about it. And this is, this is a picture of, of truth. It's really not love. But I just had to tell you the story anyway. He's a referee. And he's also an umpire. And he was driving down uh, the freeway. And he was driving too fast. He was pulled over. Hey, this is in Boulder, Colorado. He's pulled over. And the policeman started to write him out a speeding ticket. He said, I tried to talk him out of it by telling him how worried I was about my insurance coming up and what a careful driver I normally was. I begged him. I cried out for grace and he gave me truth. <laughs> he said, tell it to the judge. It's like, ah, killed me. First day of baseball season. He says, I'm the umpire. Guess the first batter is who walks up to the plate. It's the policeman who gave me the ticket. He looks over at me and recognizes me. And he says kind of uncomfortably, I hope everything worked out all right with that ticket. He says, I just stared at him and I said, swing at everything. <laughs> Swing at everything. Oh, man. Love is, 
is formed with leadership. It, it's an interesting thing. It's, uh, the scripture talks about it says that the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The first aspect of leadership is having faith in what it is and where it is that God is directing and leading us. And so I think when we talk about leadership and love, it's having faith that this is what God has called me to do in relationship to those around me. There's faith-based love. It's faith expressing itself through love. It's not about my ideas and my motivations. It's about a faith-developed clarification from God that I'm called to love in this way or manner. Okay? So the first thing that I found in my life is that faith-based love always makes time for others. Always makes time for others. If you come into my office and you knock on the door and say, Pastor Lee, can I talk to you? I will say, make an appointment. No, I won't. <laughs> I will not. That just, ah. That would be great if you had. Okay? It would be. I would appreciate it. But if you don't, I give you grace. I say, come on in. I put my stuff aside and I sit down and we talk about what it is that God has stirred you up to come and share with me. And we try to come to grips with direction that he has for us in relationship to whatever issue it has that that you brought in here. And we may set up future times to be together and actually have appointment times. But, But the point is, Faith-based love always provides time for others. In, in Revelation, remember the thing, it says, Jesus is talking and he says, I have this one thing against you, church, and this is what I have against you. You have left your first love. And I was always kind of like, okay, what is he talking about? You've left your first love. And I got a lot of different ideas and thoughts that people threw and said, this is what it was and that's what it was. And none of it was really clicking for me. I had this, I had this sense of that emotionalness, you know, when you first become a Christian. When I, when I first became a Christian, I was in the service. And I was so filled with incredible joy over what God had done in my life. My cheeks hurt from smiling all the time. My cheeks don't hurt from smiling anymore. Okay? And I thought, well, maybe that's what he means. <gasps> that incredible, powerful, meaningful. And I thought, and I said, no, I don't think so. My love for God is much stronger now than it was then. I had a lot of joy and excitement over being saved, but my love for him and all truthfulness was kind of shallow. I really didn't know him very well. I just appreciated what he'd done for me. So as I thought about it more and more and more, I said, I'd say, when you first love somebody and you get together with them, what is the thing that they want more than anything else? And I thought, chocolates. Nah. Flowers. As you get a little older, diamonds. New car. Here's what they want. And you all, many of you are going, yeah, I know what it is. This is what you want. Dry's parents nuts. They said, you guys are like glue. Don't you ever get apart? It's time. It's spending time. You can't wait to get back together with that person. 
You're so excited. It's like I get to work and I go to work and I can't wait till it goes so I can get home and see my girlfriend. See my wife. See my love. Because I want to be with her. That's what Jesus was saying. You don't want to be with me anymore. You lost your first love. You're missing out. See, love demands time. That's why Jesus said, spend time with me. Abide in me. I knew. Abide. abide. Stay here. Stay here. Stay here. Okay, Lord, I got three more minutes. Then my devotion time's up. See, that's our struggle. I go, no, 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 no. If you have this first love thing, then you spend time and you go deeper in that relationship with Him. We all have different amounts of energy and amounts of wealth and talent and personality, but we all have the exact same amount of what? Time. Nobody gets any more. We all have the same amount of time. See, the essence of love is not what we do for each other. It's not what we give to each other. The essence of love is how much time we spend. It's how much time we spend. No matter what I say or what I do or what I believe, I'm bankrupt without love. And that's both giving and receiving And Jesus is trying to tell us that as we love him, as we spend time with him, as we're involved in this process, he changes us and we find ourselves able to to give out love that God gives. God's God's never a quid pro quo. What I love about God is when I spend more time with him, I become more able for others and for myself. I begin to overflow in my emotional, in my intellectual uh, in, in every part of my life. And that's why it talks about the, the necessity of being involved in this giving and receiving. You see, love is the foundation that we build our life on. It validates who we are. It in, integrates our life. It pays for our inconsistencies. Covers over them. And we're to use our time now to determine how we can effectively and emotionally choose to love one another, to value others as God values us, to believe in others as God believes in us. See, love speaks with words of truth, but it acts. It acts with thought-out, work-through responses of love. And some of you think, okay, I, you know, you're right. I really need to spend, I need to find more time for the people I love in my life. And I would say to you, that's the wrong question. That's the wrong question. When your family or your spouse or your kids have to carry the load that God has made for you in relationship to your love for them, your time spent with them, then sooner or later they'll resent you for it. And they'll drop it. You see, you need to choose to love your family at whatever the cost is, whatever the need is in terms of time and effort, structure. And then you fit the rest of the stuff into your life. Then you fit the rest of the stuff into your life. And you'll always have time for all the other stuff. I know all of us say, but, 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 but. And I go, yeah, I know. But it's not true. If you will choose... 
to say, Lord, I'm going to spend the time to make sure that the person knows that I love them and that I interact with them and do what love is calling me to do, then God will fill in the rest of the stuff for you. I've seen it with me in school. I've seen it in relationships. I've seen it in work, all of it. You see, if God calls me and asks me to do something, he will always provide what's needed to do it in every way, in every possible way. So how do you spell love? T-I-M-E. So you spell love with time. It always starts there. We abide. We absorb. We listen to God's heart. We figure out the beat. And we follow it. Okay, then we go into action. Okay, now, now what do I do? Well, faith-based love seeks God for direction. See, it's not just a time thing. It seeks God for direction. It says, okay, Lord, love has no fear because perfect love expels fear. If you're afraid, it shows that his love has not been perfected in us. And what he's talking about, he's saying you're not spending enough time with God to allow him to truly love you as you need to be loved. And for you to understand what that means and how it works itself out. You see, your faith is expressed by fearless love for others. Every act of love involves a resistance of fear. Every act of love involves a resistance to fear. See, I trust that God will be able to provide me with the ability and the time to do what he asked me to do, to be who he has made me to be, and to remove my fear as I face it with faith. That may be financial fear. It may be emotional fear. There's substantial aspects of fear that are there, but it says perfect love casts out fear. In Galatians, he says, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free, but don't use this freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. You see, we are set free in order that we might serve one another Humbly in love. That, that's, that's the purpose. That's the intention. That's the desire that God has placed within us. If your relationships in life aren't loving and developing, life is miserable. It's miserable. And God desires to make your life meaningful, not miserable so the question becomes lord how am i to make relationships my life first and foremost how am i to do that how am i to make that happen because relationships are my life how can i make it happen show me Not just that everything else is peripheral, everything else is just stuff, but how? How for me to serve humbly in love? How do I do that? Not I need to fit it in, but how can that be the the primary? You must be the center, and outside of that, everything else begins to work. And I recognize it's like a core thing. So as I love God wholly, I'm able to love others around me, and then kind of keeps spreading out to the other stuff, the other things. And if I mess up in between those areas and break it away, then I'm unable to accomplish that which God has told me to accomplish. Not only that, I'm unable to be who I'm called to be. 
And so I start doing sometimes to cover up the fact that I'm not being. Um, your love for one another will prove to the world you're my disciples is how Jesus said it. And what he meant by that is that when you are connected with one another, the world around you will be jealous of that connection. And it will be envious of that connection. And it will be wondering, how are you making that connection? Because that connection can only be made as a result of God being in the center. Isn't that awesome, right? I just watched the Lego movie last night. So... <laughs> With Brent, I said, you've got to be a Lego. Connect, connect. Yeah, okay. You, know, you get to see how everything comes together. Suddenly I see the numbers and how all this stuff works. I go, wow, that'd be amazing because I suck at Legos. And Brent's really good at it. It's very, very humbling for a five-year-old to show you how to put together things. And he really does. I'm serious. I'm like, dude, how did you do that? Oh, Grandpa, it's not hard. Wow. The master builder. Brent. Oh, come on. You know. When you connect, when you choose to love others, when you're involved in this process, you're abiding in his love. You begin to understand what God puts you on this earth to do. And so if every day you start off getting out of your bed and you say, God, I don't know what to do today. And if I don't get anything else done today, I just want to love you a little bit more and know you a little bit more and love the people you've put in my life a little bit more. Lord, could you please help me to do that today? And if you'll do that, every day as you start this week, then you'll begin to accomplish the reason that God placed you here. You've expressed your faith, this faith-based love. And so we're beginning to learn how to love by faith, how to be led by it, and how to love with it. In sports, it kind of goes like this. Um, you learn things, basically, you get, you get involved in things you learn. They always show you all the rules. I, I, was, I was a pitcher early on, and anyone can throw a fastball. Just some are faster than others. Okay? What you got, you got. But a curve, you learn. A curve, you learn. And then a knuckleball. And, and, it, and if you can learn all these other styles and forms of pitches, you can become a really good pitcher, even though your fastball... Sucks, Because okay? fastball is just, it's just throwing it harder. You can learn certain mechanics and get better at it, but that what you got is what you got. Faith-based love is fastballs. Okay? That's, that's the beginning. It's fastballs. It moves us to this next level that we're going to spend just about 10 minutes talking about. And that's what I, I call the curve, and that's the, that's the truth-based love. So, even as a very, very young Christian, I can be involved and interact and understand God's heart and begin to, to be with it and respond to it. But as I grow and mature, I begin to speak truth in love. I begin to plan intentionally, not impulsively, as I start loving. And, and that's the second aspect of leading in love. There's truth that has to be involved here, true 
truth. Speaking the true truth in love, we grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. You see, we speak the truth after we know the truth that sets us free. It's a curveball. You've got to be taught this. It's not natural. Well, it was for me a little bit because I'm left-handed. Okay? So left-handers tend to throw a natural curve. But you've got to really learn. I went, whoa, that's how that works? I, that was, that's really cool. And you have someone teach you how to throw these things and how to change ups and how to do all these other things. You learn. And truth is a learning thing. You grow in truth. Jesus said, knowing the truth and the need to know the truth is about life itself and the experience and the interactions that we have in relationship to it. When we're exposed to truth that God puts front and center in our life and says, here's the truth, and we find ourselves at that moment, there's the defining moment. Will I step up or step out? Will I respond to this truth and allow it to build character in my life, or will I deny it and move to rationalization? I'll get up with a rational lie. And that's what Jesus is speaking about when he says, you'll know the truth. And the truth, if you respond to it, will set you free. That's what begins to happen with this defining moment of character. You see, God is preparing us for the purpose that he set us aside for. And that preparation... That process comes in these regular experiences that you have with, with your friends and your spouse and your parents and all these people. And as you interact with it and God speaks to you, you see this clearly. This is the truth of what's going on. This is the truth of what you need to do. And you go, ah, yeah. And, and how you know that is as you're spending time with God and in his word and listening to his heartbeat and being involved in the process, then you begin to grow mature. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made mature or complete in us. It would be a much better translation would be mature for us. It doesn't mean it's finished, complete. It means it's maturing. And that's the process that love matures in us. As we interact with truth, as we find ourselves um, dealing with truth. Someone said recently, I was reading a book, and he said... Uh, the truth he was presented with did not set him free. It only increased his fear. So I was presented with this truth about me and about others, and it didn't set me free. It only made me afraid. And truth does that unless it's true truth. That's what, that's what truth does. It, it puts us in an uh-oh kind of situation. But true truth, it comes from God literally gives us the knowledge and then the ability to deal with that knowledge. So what Jesus was talking about, not someone confessing to their lies. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about coming to the place where you know this is true about life and death and relationships and accepting that truth. It sets us free because it draws us closer to the creator of truth, our creator God, and that's maturity. We become more and more complete as we deal with that truth experience an issue in our life and, and respond to it. And even if we fail to do it correctly, we still know what it is. And we begin to use our freedom that God gives us because, and that's what grace is about. I hope you get that. The freedom is, I, I, I come to God and say, oh God, help me with this situation. And he says, I've, I've already 
provide you with everything you need, Lee. Just allow me to set you free from this and let's move on. Let's deal with that again. And eventually you'll figure out how to throw a curveball if you just keep throwing. You just have to keep at it. And once you got it, that will set you free to throw curveballs. And that's all he's talking about, that area. It'll set you free in that given area. And then you'll have another area to, to deal with. You see, truth is a light to our heart and to our mind. And the closer we get to the light, the better we can see. The farther away from it, the less we can see. And that's the same picture of truth and light. And that's why he ties those together all the time. Our goal is to connect and abide so we can become mature. Or Timothy says, is the goal of our instruction? It's love. From a pure heart, a good conscience, a sincere faith. It's about feeling and motivation. That's a pure heart. It's about good conscience, meaning right thinking. It's about sincere faith. It means a set of true beliefs. Sincere faith. It just means I'm sincere in my stupid ideas. It means faith that works. It's sincere faith that doesn't have holes in it. It's a set of beliefs that we recognize as being right. And we choose to stand with those beliefs. And that gives me a good conscience. Instead of saying, well, you know, if it feels this good, it just can't be Yeah, oh, it can be wrong. It can be very wrong. Because that good feeling you're feeling is going to change. I have the same one. I'm driving 100 miles down the freeway. I'm like, whoa, this feels so good. And I see these red lights and everything changes. (laughs) Oops. If it feels good, why could I said, yeah, 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 yeah. A few years ago, I was at the hospital with Larry Johnson. He just had surgery. And after surgery, everybody talks heart to heart, right? We have that kind of experience where we go, okay, life is right there. Death is nearby. And so now I'm, what, I'm ready to talk heart to heart. And we talked about priorities. What's real in our life? And he shared that recently he was on a plane to Phoenix and he's a pilot and he noticed something was wrong. They were coming in too fast in the plane. And, and the pilot's voice came on and said, we need to prepare for an emergency landing. That's always a fun thing in a plane, right? So... Everyone began to establish a position, but Larry started looking out the window. As I said, he's a pilot, so he knew kind of what's going on. He also knew it was not going to do much good establishing the position. So he went, let me see what's up here. And he saw the flaps weren't coming down. And he went, yo, this is not good. This is not a good thing. He wondered about the wheels, if they'd come down yet. He saw the emergency vehicles flying down the freeway, and he started praying. And he said, but interesting enough, I didn't start praying for myself. I started praying for my wife and for my children. And I began to ask myself, what have I failed to do? How have I not prepared them? What could I have done? You see, truth, as it matures, calls us to love that has progress and Intentionality. The purposes of his life, the priorities of his life were shuffled all of a sudden. And he knew exactly what he needed to do. Purified heart, clear conscience, sincere faith. So Jesus says, "Ah, at this moment you'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free. It's that epiphany time that we have on a regular basis, that we encounter on a regular basis, 
How are we going to respond to it? So that's the cry for us there. The cry of love that rejoices in truth. Not lies. Not misinformation. Not fooling ourselves. Not trying to present ourselves as better than we are. Truth. Real, honest truth. And then he says, we begin to consider how to spur one another on to love and good deeds. So we had a good time last week with Jarvis, didn't we? Wasn't that great? So we get to bring him up here, and you guys said, we want to help this guy. He's articulate. Seems like the Lord wants to use him. He's gone through tough times. He's been an addict. He's just fallen apart. And you, you guys gave $1,800. Man. And I was like, we should kind of like cut that in half and give that to him and use the other 900%. Can't do that. But, you know, that, that's really what I thought. I thought, well, you know, what could you? That's just me. I'm sorry. That's, that's my style. And I was going, okay. And, and we got, took care of the different stuff and got it going. And I met with Jarvis again and encouraged him along that way. And I said, I said you know, Lord, this is amazing what people can do when they recognize the need to respond in love. You see, I hope you know this. And I'm going to close with this thought. God specifically puts people around you so you can love them. And he will provide you with the true way to respond to them. If you'll listen to him, say, Lord, how am I supposed to respond? What am I supposed to be involved in? With my wife, with my friend, with my fiancé, with my son, with my daughter, with my grandchildren. Lord, as I spend time with you today, speak to me and help me to know how, how and what I'm supposed to do. If you're like me, you, you'll lose an Evernote thing and I, I walk through each one of you and my elders and I go, okay, Lord, how am I supposed to love them and care for them? And I walk to in a and then I, every day I go back to that list, you know, after I spent my basic time with the Lord in prayer and say, okay, Lord, how am I supposed to love my son, my daughter, my wife, my grandkids, my friends, my coworkers? How is this supposed to work itself out? These are my oikos. These are the people that you have placed into my life. What is it that you want me to do? You see, all of us have this overloaded... Uh, furiously driven life and our world wants to keep you doing that just run faster just run faster you'll eventually get there no you won't you'll get there all right but where you get will be the plane coming down and the wheels won't that'll be it and your last thoughts will not be man i wish i'd stayed at work another two hours last night i could have got that i could have got that done Your last thoughts will be, Lord, where did I fail to love? Where did I fail to care for? Where did I fail to hold and to hug, to kiss? And the word should be, Lord, get me out of this and then show me what to do and how to do it. 
Because life is one giant Lego land of relationships. All right? Opportunities to connect. Sometimes I don't want to. And God says, here's where you need to connect today. Just ask him, speak to him. Say, Lord, clarify this vision to love people and to lead them to Jesus. How can I do it? And this week, do it. I want you to sound for me. This is what I want you to commit to do this week. Just it, every morning for the first five minutes, I just want you to stop for five minutes and say, Lord, who do I need to speak to today to show them that I love them? And I want you to pick out one person each day. Just one. It's, Lord, what person do I need to speak to, to listen to, face to face today? And let them know that I love them, that they're part of my life. And connect with them. I'm going to be a Lego with them. All right? That's my request for you for this week. So that's pastor's request. All right? Find out who and what that is. And guys, I have one last thought. Even God says, ask and it will be given you. And what I mean by that is this. If you are ticked at me because I didn't speak to you or connect with you like what you wanted me to, I have one word for you. Do you know what it is? short, fat, tall, skinny, good-looking, ugly. It doesn't matter. Just ask. I tell people, even God says, ask, and it will be given you. I won't do as good as he does. But if you ask me, I'll give it my best. Stand with me. Father, today we thank you for this opportunity we've had to remind ourselves about the important thing in life, that relational area of life that makes everything work. We are fragmented people, Lord. And we desperately need to connect, but we're frightened. Even when we connect, we mess up. We go to people that we want to show love for it, and we say things that instead pulls us apart, and we're like... Lord, I don't know why that happened. I wanted to hold them and to hug them and to let them know I love them. And I just started talking. And uh. So, Father, today we come to you as broken children. And saying, Lord, enable us to connect. Let your love flow in and through our lives. And grant us the wisdom when to speak and when to be silent. And today, Lord, as we recognize that we are sinners in need of a Savior, we come to you and we believe that your Son provided that opportunity that as we respond and say, Oh, Lord Jesus, come into my life and change me. If we'll stay connected to Him and simply say those words, everything changes. Oh, Lord Jesus. 
Cleanse me from my sins and make me whole again. Let your grace flow into my life and then continue from this day forward. I call you Lord. I call you Savior. Change my life. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Oh, we give you praise and thanks. Let your hand be on each one here. Fill them with your joy and your peace and allow them to love this week. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great week.